brought to you by bedroombattlefields.com. This is the Tabletop Miniature Hobby Podcast. Welcome back to the podcast, Robert. Thank you very much. It's great to be here. Is it really so? You say that. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. There's other things you could be doing. Well, I was going to do some gardening, so this is a nice little diversion. Yeah, time of recording, it's not rained for about eight weeks, which is like apocalypse in Scotland. I put down, not to take us off topic too much, but I put down some seeds in the garden, and that is pretty much the cue for the weather to just, you know, you're getting no more rain now, so... God has abandoned your seed. I thought you were going to say something else there, but... (laughs) Um, yeah, so we are playing God today. We're controlling the lives of our troops, send them into battle, lots of them will die. Uh, we're playing at 6mm scale today and we're playing a game called Mayhem. So it's a it's a higher up um, look at things. We're pretty used to the skirmish games, aren't we, where you have individual mm. characters and stuff like that. But here we're going to be commanding a, a couple of armies each and having at it. Very nice. Yeah, I can see that we're a bit more uh, zoomed out, if you like, looking down at the the landscape here. Yeah, describe the describe the plain area to the listener. Then, what have we got here in front of us? Well, mostly open plains, couple of trees to one side. There is a stream running, or a river, I guess, running alongside it, um, with a bridge going across it and a, a road that stretches off left and right. A little pond at one side, a couple of. Houses, cottages maybe, scattered about. Yeah, a bit of copse of trees here and there, We hill on the side. Yeah, it looks so, like a nice little bit of killing ground in the middle. Yeah, it's idyllic. I mean, you could have a nice pub and beer garden here. There's no need to actually fight. We could just sit and have a beer on this tiny world. Two huge giants drinking a beer. Imagine my wife came home, we were both just sitting on the table there. Saying <laughs> that we were, you know, we're actually just gods. Yeah, just eight, eight beers in saying, yeah, well, you see... We started talking about how there's not been a lot of rain and then one thing led to another. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, this game, I've had uh, the creator on the podcast before and I've been really excited to get it on the table and have a bash at it. So you're going to be buzzing for this, Robert. I had to get us some yeah. exotic polyhedral dice. Do you know what these, like, they, they, they all came in wee bags, these sets. Do you know what these are? Because I don't, but I, I assumed you might. Uh, well, I'm seeing a bull, a horse, uh, a hawk or eagle. That looks like a dragon. That looks like a Mortal Kombat dragon. This one... Oops. Looks... Yeah, they... I, no, no, I don't know. I mean, I recognise some of the animals, but I, I don't know if it's like Zodiac or... I just thought it was maybe something you'd came across in the RPG world, like classes or schools or whatever, but yeah. obviously not. No. But in each bag we've got, um, there's one that's opened, uh, the good old sound of dice on table. We've got uh, D4 right up to D20, because um, on this game your your troops have certain stats which are represented by dice. So right. it's, um, yeah, it's going to be quite interesting so we'll we'll get started we'll take a couple of turns to kind of learn the ropes I reckon and then we'll maybe catch up halfway in and just find out how it's going absolutely all right so we've just uh, we've just deployed there so I should have said before that we're playing orc and goblin versus empire so uh, what's your troop line looking like over there Robert what what units have you got available 
My army is deployed. I've got my spearmen. Two lots of spearmen who are flanking the orc warriors. And over on the left, wolf riders. Um, yeah, sorry. Let me let me start again. The orc warriors are flanked by goblin spearmen. And then on the left, we've got goblin wolf riders and goblin archers. Interesting deployment of the archer right behind the house. Because that's what you want as uh, you yeah. know, your archers just to basically be looking into somebody's bedroom. They're actually just goblin perverts. Yeah. They're uh, all giving each other a footy up, just looking in the window. Yeah, Aye, so, they're going to they're gonna get into the house and then go to the front windows and do it from there like young guns. That's it. That's actually the reason for this battle. That's why it's happened. Well, so, uh, attack of the perverts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, on the road, at the other side, the road runs sort of um, parallel to the battle, I guess you would say. So it's not... I wouldn't say it's a key strategic area, but we're we're kind of all uh, lined up on it. So I've got in the centre, I've got two units of archers uh, out on the, the right flank, a unit of men-at-arms, and out on the left, a unit of mounted knights. So you've got the extra unit, but I would say the overall quality of my units is slightly higher here. I think that's generally how it works with green skins, isn't it? So Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so yeah, interesting times. We'll see. Uh, we'll see what's what. Now we we do a roll to find out our amount of command points, and then I'm going to talk you through how that works and how you begin to start getting your troops up the table. I'll do my best to listen and understand. Excellent. That's all we could ask for then. Yeah. See you soon. All right. So we've uh, we're well into the battle now, aren't we? Quite a lot's happened so far. Yeah, once we got the hang of things, things started to move along. Uh, well, I was going to say smoothly, I don't know about that, but things are happening anyway. Yeah, I think in the start, so you took charge of the Orc and Goblin army, I took charge of the Empire army, and in the start it looked like, if you remember back to when we played Song of Blades and Heroes here, and you were rolling like the worst I've ever seen, and I was rolling the best I've ever seen, mm. and it actually, like the first couple of turns, well it started off, we did our uh, command rolls to see how many command points we got, I was rolling a D8, you were rolling a D6, so I had the advantage, and I, I rolled an 8, and you rolled a 1, so you got off on like the worst possible footing, where you had, basically you could move one unit once, and I had like eight points to play with, and I I was able to get in a few good positions, get some shots away with the archers, yeah. and it, it, it looked at that point like it was just going to quickly go downhill for you. So Yeah, it looked bleak because I thought, well, you're always going to have two more command points on average, let's say. Yeah. Um, and I was never going to be able to recover from that horrible worst-case scenario deficit at the beginning. But um, no, we kind of evened it up a bit. You've allowed me to have eight command points the same as you, which I'm grateful for, I have to say, because I think it's helped to possibly turn the battle in my favour a little bit. Yeah, I mean, at face value, it doesn't look that much of an advantage, like eight versus six, but actually, you know, over the course of the game, it'll add up to quite a lot of extra turns and options, won't it? So Yeah, it's like throwing four punches every round rather than three. So... What have we what have we actually got casualties wise? I've I've killed your orc warriors, marchers, uh, wiped them out, and you have killed uh, my men at arms and my one unit of marchers. Yeah. So I think it was your um well, first things first, who who killed the men at arms? It was your archers, wasn't it? I think it was a crit or something, wasn't it? It was, I think so. No, the archers, so that was that was one point we were not quite sure on. So 
for the listener's benefit if you've not played this game before and if you're not familiar with it there's a volley fire rule and this is like it's i've always wondered about this in war games because when you see like you know when you watch films or tv shows where you see archers they're very rarely uh you know firing the arrows like straight along the ground straight into somebody unless it's very close range a lot of the archers that you see they're shooting up in the air and they don't necessarily have a direct line of sight to their targets. So it's like a, you know, it's up in the air and down and dropping on the targets. Kind of like artillery. Yeah. And I always wondered about that in games because they detect, a lot of games demand line of sight and that's quite unrealistic. Yeah. So I like how this game has the volley fire option. So what you could do, you could rely on the line of sight of another friendly unit and you could shoot over something onto your target but the criteria is instead of doing damage you are able to drive them back if you score a hit but then what happened Robert you because when you're rolling for damage in this game you're trying to roll lower and you rolled a one and a one's a critical hit but this particular move you're not meant to damage but we just but I felt that you know, I, I'm sure the rule will be clarified somewhere. I just feel the, the one is the critical hit and you rolled the one. So even though it wasn't a roll, roll to damage, it just seemed uh, reasonable to let you have that one. So uh, That's probably generous of you, but yeah, I totally get what you mean because otherwise, what does the crit do? Does it drive your forces back even further? or Yeah. Or maybe it drives them back and disorders them or something. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I suppose you could come up with your own interpretations of that. Like you've just said, that might have been a good option, but... Um, I, for narrative's sake, you know, this is us just getting to grips with the game. Uh, and I'm enjoying it. It, it. You start to pick it up quicker and quicker. And I think it's just getting used to that. Like I was saying to you when we were playing, if if the rolling lower thing was always the case, hmm. uh, then you would you would get used to it quicker. But we've got scenarios where we're still trying to roll higher, you know, where we're trying to measure distances. Yeah. where we're trying to get leadership points or where we're trying to uh, move, you know, we want to roll higher. But then when we're actually trying to hurt people, we're trying to roll lower. So you, you've always got to be on your sort of intellectual toes, which I don't have any, to be quite honest. I've just got hooves, so. Well, I mean, it confounds the dice as well, and you can't say, oh, this is terrible. Like, the dice keep rolling low all the time. Um, there's got to be a bit of mix and matching, and it just... But, you know, that's just probability for you. If you're in the market for a t-shirt, mug, sticker or magnet with Goblin Green bases written on it, then today is your lucky day. We've teamed up with Tee Public to create a merch store for the podcast, which you could visit by going to bedroombattlefields.com forward slash store. So go and get yourself some Goblin Green bases branded merch today and bonus points if you send in a photo of you being escorted out of your local games workshop. That's bedroombattlefields.com slash store. And now, back to the show. So, yeah, I mean, I, I really, like, it's one of these games that I think if you played, if you played a game of it like we are now, as your practice run, and then if you played another game at the back of it, I reckon you'd have a really good time of it because you'd be well-versed, you would you would know a lot of what you were doing in the setup. Yeah. And you would go in with, with a bit of tactics, whereas just now we're backing forward to the sheet, backing forward to the book. Not excessively, but we're clarifying certain points or we're having to double-check things. And yeah. that's just the nature of the beast when you're 
playing a game for the first time, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, even Monopoly players still have to do that. Like, wait a minute, what? Yeah, what? what? Right, yeah, okay. Yeah, it's 90% you mortgage it for. Or yeah. you just don't play Monopoly, yeah, you put it in the bin. That's right. But um, I would say at the moment, so what we got on the table, so what I tried to do, I tried to get my cavalry down the left flank past the river and I wanted to cut in and cause some chaos uh, on your rear, you know, I wanted to take you from the rear. Mm-hmm. And uh, I did actually, uh, well, your your goblin spearmen sort of countered that, uh, but they lost out to me. So they're in the process of trying to run away. We've still got your, that's goblin spearmen down there. We've got goblin archers. Your wolf riders, they, uh, they charged into the archers, but got, well, they got beat in hand-to-hand combat, which is a bit embarrassing, a bunch mm-hmm. of archers. Yeah, uh, but they're they're that same unit archers have now been removed. So yeah, I've lost two units. Uh, I did start with a I did start with a unit deficit as well. So I've only got two units on the table now. So, um, and you you've you've picked up more command points than me this turn. You've still got a couple to play with, I believe. So yeah, I do. Four. It's, uh, it's going to be tricky for me now. I mean, my my mounted knights are pretty formidable, but they're not going to be able to take on a a small army themselves. Yeah, no, that's right. And I've, I've got a few options here of, well, obviously I want to get to the archers, but the flip side of, with that is that your mounted knights, I want them to come to me, to some of my other units. So I'm, I'm thinking about which ones I'll move, which ones I'll simply get prepared for your advance, and then, I don't know, the old pincer movement maybe. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting. And uh, it's funny, as we're starting to get to grips with it, our tactics are maybe changing slightly, like me moving my spearmen round the first time so that I could see your mounted knights were coming around. And it's like, okay, right, I, I'm going to get a, a, a penalty if, if you attack me from the flank or even from the rear. So I, I need to spend a point just turning round. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Worth doing, though. Yeah, I mean... We'll kind of dig in at the end, or more extensive thoughts on the game, but uh, it is to me, for like in my narrow experience of playing rank and flank games or mass battle games, they could be quite slow and ponderous. Whereas I find this, it's just quite quick and bloody. Like Christ, we're in combat now. Christ, he's dead. Like um, it, it could happen quite quickly. All the the sort of combat and um, yeah. removing units and stuff like that. So it's a nice, it's got a nice pace to. It. You know, it's it's not one of the games where you look at the clock and three hours has passed and we're, you know, we've just about reached the yeah. the enemy. We've so. decided that I'll go the the goblins. Yeah, yeah. So I let's uh, play the rest of it out and then we'll catch up and just give our, our final thoughts, I suppose. Once more into the breach. So Robert, it feels like only minutes since we last spoke. Uh, yes, but those few minutes were action-packed, and it's all over. Yeah, I mean, when we when we caught up at quote-unquote half-time, uh, so I was holding out with a unit of archers and a unit of uh, cavalry, unit of mounted knights. So I got myself quite a lot of command points. I think I got seven. Mm-hmm. So I spent a lot of points engineering this perfect move where I did a bit of manoeuvring and, and charged up right behind the um, the Goblin Spearman in the middle of the, I was going to call it a park there, the middle of the field. So all advantage, you know, I'm attacking from the rear, I've got advantages there. Uh, I'm charging you, I've got uh, lances, you know, it's it's 
pretty much. Uh, I think I had to. I was rolling a d4 in the end. So yeah. bearing in mind, I'm trying to roll lower. You were rolling a d20. So I took the default, which was a two. So all you could do was roll a one. And what happened? I rolled a one. Rolled a one, of course you did. So scored a critical hit on me again. And uh, just one of those moments where you're like, I, I literally can't believe that happened. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, but you did it. And then, of course, with my remaining points, I still had a lot to play with. We just this unit archers left. So I think I had like four or five pops at your uh, at your spearman and nothing happened so and then your your wolf riders have got in behind me and uh, they've done the business there haven't they so it's um it's yeah. over that's incredible i've had like four or five crits yeah aye that's right that's right and uh but i think that's a i think that's a good thing about the game like having that critical option because it's um you know it, it could be said that oh, it's, it's a bit too volatile you know but I just think it adds a fun narrative element. Like you, you wondered, you know, what actually happened in that charge to to make the the spearman win. You know, there must have been something that happened. Whether it was, I don't know, maybe in the maybe in my cavalry there was a traitor in the ranks or something. Maybe the horses had been poisoned. You just don't know. But yeah, or one of the the lead horses went over, you know, into a little foxhole and went down, and the others all clattered over it, and yeah, just. You know, it's in the lap of the gods. But, that, you know, otherwise, if it was a bit more clinical or sterile, then you could just feed the data into a spreadsheet, you know, and work out who won. But you need to have that little bit of chaos because that's, that's what the universe is all about, right? Yeah, and uh, it was it was chaotic. You know, like I said before, we got, got to grips with each other quite quickly. There was fighting early on. There was death early on. Um, so it was right into the action. There was no... You know, there was no West Side Story style manoeuvring towards each other. I've just realised I referenced West Side Story in a recent article. It just seems to be a recurring huh. theme in this podcast now. But Excellent. Um, we danced towards each other and uh, got to it pretty quickly. So I'm thinking like we played four units against five there. And I've always thought that, especially with 28 mil mass battles maybe six units ahead is this kind of sweet spot between it not being over too quickly but not taking all day yeah but i think with these rules i think you could accommodate double the amount of units that we had on the table and still have a pretty quick game i would say especially once you get into the rules yeah once we know the rules and it's muscle memory then um it could be really interesting really quickly when you suddenly get you know three units at once to go flying forward and do whatever it is and yeah it could become there's a lot of options there yeah and and the board's big enough and yeah yeah i I think there could be more units yeah and there's all sorts of rules again because we're playing an introductory game there are probably some extra rules that we've not quite looked at or utilized like from memory i believe you know if, if you had say three or four or even two blocks of infantry units you could line them up together and set them to march forward each turn on the default so you're right. just basically a set and forget you know over on the left flank we've got these three or four units infantry and we just want them to continue up the table until otherwise instructed you've got wee things like that that you could do yeah that'd be so cool. if you were really looking to play a big game where you know 15 20 units aside you could be looking at things like that you know, the tactical side of it. But I, I definitely think um, next time we play it, I'd like to maybe, 
you know, I'd like more units archers, I'd like more units uh, infantry or spearmen, more cavalry, and maybe, you know, the old war machine as well, whether that's cannons or volley guns or whatever. I think that would just add to add to the spectacle too. Maybe a giant troll that can barely move. Yeah, aye. There's also the, you know, we're doing a pitched battle, so we had no real scenario apart from that one where the goblin was trying to peep in the window, but... <laughs> um, you know, I dare say you could bring in an objective that's different than just uh, go and batter your opponent, go and kill everyone. You know, it might be hold out for X amount of turns. It might be, you know, capture this objective or it might be get get to this place or get them there, whatever. I don't Re- know. Retrieve the magic artifact from the middle and get it back to your own lines. Yeah, yeah. So I'm all for that, the scenario side of things. But like I keep saying, I think when you're, when you're trying something like this for the first time, and especially when it's so different to what we've been playing recently, I think you want less less there and just try and get used to it. Yeah, yeah, this was a, a great introduction. I'd be I'd be very keen to play it again. Which uh, which army would you like to opt for next time? Because we went humans against orcs and goblins. It's a classic Hulk Hogan versus Ultimate Warrior lineup. But uh, what what could we maybe look at in future? You mean like Chaos Marines that have been stranded in the past, something like that? Yeah, yeah. Dwarfs holding out, because dwarfs always have to defend, don't they? Because they're just not fast enough to attack. Yeah. Um, and in terms of table setup as well, you know what? Like, we've used roads and rivers here. I mean, they've, they've been on the table. They've not really been part of it. But I've always been curious about the roles of rivers in these games because if you put a river through the middle of it, and you've got, you know, my troops on that side of the river, your troops on this side. There's always a thing about, like, what does the river count as on the table? I know it's terrain, difficult terrain, whatever, but are you going to make everyone go over the bridge or are you just going to give them a penalty for crossing the river not on the bridge? Do you make a couple of fords hmm. that you could cross? You've got to consider these things as well, I suppose, don't you? Yeah, I, there was a game, you know, on the Amiga and probably other platforms called North and South to do with the American Civil War. And you did have these, like, a couple of different uh, units, like cannons, uh, riflemen and, um, what's the other one, cavalry and stuff. And occasionally the, the maps that you maybe fought on would have, like, little rivers or, or a bridge, and you're trying to get everybody across the bridge before they kill you with the cannons and you know and it became basically bottlenecked and it was a lot of fun actually and i could see that happening here where like you've got two archers i've only got one and there's a river so you're holding back and you're just trying to pick me off doing a considerable bit of damage before i can get my mostly melee guys across the the river so uh, yeah I, it's a long-winded way of saying it depends on the units you've got i guess i saw a cool way because I, I i looked at a few folk playing this on youtube it's not it's not that easy to find folk creating content around this game because it's not as well known although it's a, a bit of a cult classic it's not as well known as your frost graves and games like that mm-hmm. but there are a couple of really good i wish i had the name to hand there's a good youtube channel um the guy was playing a, a game of this and he had a he had a pretty cool looking setup where i think he had an army of goblins and he had a river and i think what was happening there was um the goblins were trying to build a temporary bridge and the defenders had X amount of turns to try and destroy that bridge. So ah. the longer the longer they went over there uninterrupted, the more chance they had of getting extra troops over. So right. there was a permanent bridge and then 
they also had this option to try and cross the river at another side as well. So that's interesting then, because you've got like a it's a time as a factor basically. Yeah, and I, I quite like that in games. Like if you look at a game like Dungeon Saga, I can't remember if if like the Hero Quest or that did this, but you know that timing element of you've got. You know, you're racing against the clock. You can't just go in every room and check it. You, you've got to be, you've got to use your time resource pretty well. You've got to, there's certain things you've just got to forget about because you need to make things happen. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. So um, it's another game to to add to our uh, small rotation, I suppose. Yeah. Uh, but I'm definitely, I would like to play this again sooner rather than later whilst it's fresh in the minds because I, I definitely think playing it again you know if we if we had the time today if we played it again you would definitely get a, a better game not that i've not enjoyed this one but it's very much been a sort of learning game yeah absolutely because i'm looking at the some of the stats thinking oh d20 that's great and then realizing halfway through like no i need to roll low mm-hmm. d20 is mm-hmm. not what you want yeah and the, the the soft and hard counters thing's cool as well because you could really with your tactics you know you could start to look at okay these spearmen have a great advantage against this cavalry. So when I see them deployed over there, I want my spearmen here. You know, I know that on the flip side, the cavalry can can do a bit of damage against this unit. So you start to go after certain units where, yeah, you know, your strengths and defend your weaknesses a bit better as well. Yeah, there's another game on the PC called Rome Total War, if you've ever heard of that. Didn't know the Romans were involved in any wars. Yeah, a couple. They got into a few scrapes, um, but yeah, it was it was similar to this kind of layout actually. With your archers and how you you know you're trying to lay them out in a certain way. You should look up the odd video and, and a really good game. And it's this I don't know why it didn't remind me of this until now, but here we are. So I will get together for a game of this again, and we'll obviously have to get back to the old Shadow Deep as well because Grub and Co will be getting itchy feet because we've not had them on the table for a wee while. Um, yeah, but yeah, no, always good to to roll some dice. We never did figure out. I've got these these wee dice bags, these polyhedral dice bags. So we never did figure out what the logos were. I was relying on you to have that knowledge. Mm, a mixture of sort of eastern and western white power tattoos, basketball logos, and Chinese, Mega Drive games. <laughs> Chinese calendars that you get yeah. from the takeaway. It's an eclectic mix, isn't it? Yeah, because you've got a, what I figured out was a warthog, a bull, a dragony demon, then a proper Mortal Kombat style dragon, a knight, not a knight, like a chess knight, the the horse. God, I don't know. Maybe it's banners from Games of Thrones. Game of Thrones. Could be. Could be. Bugger knows. By first time in my life that I've rolled a D4 in anger. And uh, it did disappoint because I took the default and you rolled a one and that was that. Yeah. Half. So uh, I'll be putting that D4 in the bin, I think. Yeah. But, uh, no, really enjoyed it. And uh, aye, thanks for the game. We'll, we'll definitely report on the next one too, which will be bigger and... Um, bloodier. Bloodier, yeah. Yeah, thank you. Thanks very much for listening to this episode of the Tabletop Miniature Hobby Podcast. If you enjoy the show, then please do share it with someone else you think might enjoy it too. And be sure to check out our Discord community of like-minded hobbyists, which you can find at bedroombattlefields.com forward slash Discord. It'd be great to see you in there.